The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. The New Testament reading comes from Acts 4, 23 to 31. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly, in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak with your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The word of the Lord. This morning we're very, very thankful to have Pastor Alan Smith and his daughter is it Mars. Okay, Mars with us today. Um, Pastor Smith is with us from the Bay Area Community Church in Annapolis. He's a beloved son of the father and follower of Christ, been married to his best friend Sandy for 25 years. Congrats. And have shared the adventure of raising four daughters spanning from 21 to 13 years old. He is the community and discipleship uh, pastor at Bay Area. Before coming to Annapolis, he was a cross-cultural missionary for a decade in Peru and served in church planting with Perimeter Church in Atlanta and Redeemer City to City in Miami. He loves DJing parties, learning new things, exploring new places, and meeting new people. Please join me in welcoming Pastor Smith. Jason, all right, I got a clock here, that's the first thing I see, so, <laughs> hey, thanks for letting me come today, uh, John, you're online, I see you, uh, thanks for inviting me, it's good to be here, um, and if you would, if you just have your Bibles, whether it's your phone, or if you actually brought, anyone still bring these? Raise your Bible if you brought your Bible, all right, I, people still bring their Bibles, I, I was wondering about that, so you can turn to Acts 4. We'll be looking through that passage today. You guys have been going through Acts. And when uh, John, Pastor John asked me to uh, preach this morning, I had just, I, I have only preached like two sermons in the book of Acts, and this was one of them. So, it's John, so obviously God wants me to, uh, to preach uh, this section to you today. <clears throat> and before we get to God's word, uh, let's, let's, let's pause again, let's pray. So, Father, we do now ask that you would come and attend to your word, 
we ask that you would, whatever distraction that we brought into this place, that you would remove it now. Holy Spirit, we ask through your Son Jesus, through the Son Jesus Christ, come and attend this word, we ask. And we ask you to protect us from the ravens that will come and snatch the word, the seed of the word, from our hearts so we can now focus fully on what you want to have us to hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so uh, a couple years ago, just a few hours west of here in West Virginia, our family was in a cabin in the woods, and we woke up, there was snow everywhere. Uh, we, are, we were out in our Honda Odyssey, and it's not quite the, the, the car for snow. And so we were trying to head back, make the long trek back to Annapolis, that's where we live, um, and I get out in the car. Everyone's, the car's packed, everyone's in the car, and I begin, well, I don't crank the car, I push the button, and nothing happens. Has anyone ever been there? Anyone? Like completely, like the last maybe week or so when that big, maybe big snowstorm came through. Um, couldn't go anywhere. So I was really panicking. I was a little, I was a little nervous. Quick, pray, pray, quick prayer. And then I radioed down to a guy down the hill who was, we were kind of in this complex area. He came up 30 minutes later with a battery, jumped the car, and then we could go home. And so... Uh, Thank, we were thankful that we were not out in the middle of, no, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so, very, very thankful that that man, another person, came with another source of power to this car because we were stuck in this car until someone from the outside came and gave us this battery to jump us off. I want to make an argument that as a church, we are no different. We go nowhere until we pray. We go nowhere until we pray. I love that you have so many kids in this place. And I want to speak to you kids for a second. If you hear anything that I say, please draw it on a sheet of paper or whatever you brought in here and show it to me afterwards. I love to hear. If I, if I say anything intriguing or interesting, I would love to see what you think I... Sometimes you, they, they draw me, but you don't have to draw me. You can draw a car stuck in the snow or anything like that. Um, so... Yeah, so that's, that we are, we, we are stuck as a church. Let me put it positively. This is the big idea. When the church comes together to pray, not just praying individually, but praying together, the Spirit comes with executive power from the outside and activates the church and the kingdom advances. That's what one of the major themes in the book of Acts. I was reading a couple years ago, a, a guy who was doing a survey of the book of Acts, and he made that comment, and this is what he said. He said, I discovered that every advance in the early church, each endowment of courage and evangelism, and all the filling of power to withstand and conquer the enemy was ignited by an earnest and united prayer. And then he went on to, say, to show me something, and I, I'm going to share this with you, and I hope you don't unsee this. Like when you see something you don't want to see again, this is something I want you to see again. When you go read the book of Acts, I want you to see this over and over and over. There's a pattern. And so if you think, if you want to draw this, kids, it's like, have you seen one of, the, one of those, those water wheels? That, uh, that, like uh, those old water wheels, when water goes through it, it spins it. And then some kind of crane goes in there and grinds some kind of grain or something. I'm, I'm not, it's a total different era for me. But that's what it's like. So this is a wheel that... that 
But the thing that gets the wheel started is prayer. That's the water. It pours into this wheel and it starts to spin. And when they begin to pray, the Spirit always comes. Spirit always comes. And when the Spirit comes, then you see what we pray for. Bold evangelism in London and other places here in Howard County or, or Minneapolis and uh, uh, Anne Arundel County. Uh, then after bold evangelism, you see communities formed. You see that in Acts 2, you see that in Acts 4, and you keep seeing that. All these groups start popping up. And then when these groups start popping up, needs start coming up, and then you start seeing leaders being developed. You see the new office of deacon being, being installed for the purpose that the, the apostles, or now the elders, are devoted now to the ministry of prayer. They continue to pour in the water and the will. Prayer and the ministering of the Word. That's in Acts 6. Prayer comes first. Then after the leaders are developed, then you see churches multiplied. And let me just read you a few passages that you'll be considering later in this sermon series. And it's, this is in Acts 6-7. Well, after they had the new deacons, the word of God continued to increase in number, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Now, in Judea and Samaria, this is what happened. So the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, walking in the fear of the Lord, and the comfort of the Spirit, it multiplied. That's Acts 9.31. And then in Acts 12.24, the, the word of God increased and multiplied wouldn't that be great if the comfort of the holy spirit multiplied the comfort i was reading out this morning like wouldn't that be amazing as a church is expanding that the comfort how many people are not in, experiencing the comfort of the holy spirit now if you've been in church long enough like me you know if you see this list you're like yes we want this yes but oftentimes we tried the to start the, the wheel with things like, let's now start small groups. Let's now train up the leaders. We try to inject, and we think those things are actually going to start spinning the wheel, and they don't. They don't spin the wheel. They're a result of the wheel already spinning. So kids, what's the, the water that spins the wheel? Anybody know? I wish I had candy. I would throw it at you. The water that makes the water spin is prayer. It's prayer. It is prayer. We go nowhere until we pray together. And so the rest of our time, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture. This is the longest recorded prayer in the book of Acts. And we're going to learn how they pray together. And so just to get a running start, what we learned last week from Pastor John's sermon, Peter and John had just healed a man who's a little bit over probably my age, um, he's in his 40s, and, uh, he's, and he had been lame all his life. The crowds were amazed. The massive crowd gathered. Peter preached the good news. And then thousands, around 5,000 people believed. That's a, a lot of people. So it was a quite big deal. The Jewish leaders were furious. So they arrested Peter and John, took them to their courts, could not detain them, but they commanded them. They, they said, whatever you do, do not speak the name Jesus anymore. And so that's where we are in this passage. So, the, so that's where we are, and we, we see the first thing they do is when they're, uh, they're released, 
verse 23 says, they went to their friends. Literally, they went to their own. In a crisis, it reveals who your real friends are. And it is sweet when those in the church are your real friends. I don't know what City of Hope is like, but I hope some of your closest friends are right around you. And if it's not so, I I pray that it's so. Because that's where you're going to go in a crisis. In a crisis, you're going to go to your friends, your people. And then they prayed together and it said that they lifted up their voices together. Literally, they lifted up one voice. They lifted up one voice. So here's, here's the picture. Peter and John are, are discouraged. They're maybe a little frightened, maybe struggling with some anxiety. I don't really know. They didn't really say. But they, what we do know is they come to their people, to their friends, to their own, and they pray for them. I mean, as they pray, they, they pray one voice. Now, there's a, there's a point here that's very important that I'll hit later. Is that the, when, you, when you pray together, the, the, the purpose of agreement is so important. They, they were in agreement. They were in with one verse. That's why, kids, you ever wonder why we say the word amen? Like you hear like your parents or other old people saying amen? That literally is a, comes from from Jesus to say, it is true. That's what it means. Like, I agree. It's true. Amen. And most of the times you hear it like at the end of the prayer. But have you been in a prayer meeting where it's like, got that one person, that, like the Presbyterian amen is mmm. Like a little mmm. Some, some other churches, they'll like actually say amen. Or if you're in another language in Peru, they'll go, si, senor. They would do something like that. And so, but that's to help us know that we're in agreement. We're in this together. We agree with what that brother or sister is praying for right now. One of the greatest reasons why I, I believe today, especially in America, and it seems like some of you have been outside of America, if you come to our beloved country, we have a collection of idols. And one of our biggest idols that we don't even realize is even there is the biggest idol is of individualism. We design our entire society around this. Uh, this is predates a lot of us being born. Like, there was cars that were made, and then cars had highways, and highways had fast foods, so that when you get in your car and go to work, you, don't, you can do all this all by yourself. And then they made things like smartphones and, and social media so that you never have to see anybody, but yet be together somehow. The whole infrastructure leans this way. And so when I've... So when you hear a sermon on prayer or you, you read a book on it, you often think how I personally, individually, in my closet should go and pray by myself. Should you do that? Yes. But this text is about group prayer. It's about you coming together as a church and praying together. So listen, brothers and sisters, we go nowhere unless we pray together. Not just by yourselves, but together with one voice. We cannot do this alone. And if there's one thing that the mental health crisis has helped with us, now it's been a a terrible thing, but it has shown us that we cannot do life alone. We cannot do life alone, especially prayer. Second thing I want to show you is not only with whom do we pray, we pray together, but what do we pray? We go nowhere until we pray God's kingdom agenda here. Now, so the, the bulk of this passage is the actual written prayer itself. Now, we don't know if this was the actual 
this is all the prayer. It's probably just notes about the you know the kind the uh, the notes of the of the prayer itself. So it could have been much longer than this. But just a few points here, a few observations. Now the first thing is that they spent way more time praising God than asking for their needs. They actually talked about the character of God. They were worshiping together. One uh, so I'm a Presbyterian church, so you got to quote. Sinclair Ferguson at some point, or somebody like him. Um, so this is what he says, when, when we gaze on the glory and greatness of our God, we will only give a passing glance of our problems. The largeness of their prayers was determined by the size of their God. They got a huge God that could do anything. They had childlike faith. So here are their friends, Peter and, and John, they're coming to him and they're praying, giving thanks to the sovereign Lord of the universe. And then they prayed Scripture. Did you notice that? So they're praising God. And before they go to their knees, they start praying Scripture. I don't know if this has happened to you before, but as you pray, passages of Scripture come to mind. You may be thinking, I don't know many passages of Scripture. The Holy Spirit can use that too. You don't have to know all this. But they start praying Psalm 2. They start saying, Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers are gathered together. This psalm is giving them perspective of what's actually happening with Peter and John. And so the Spirit of God brings this passage of Scripture to mind, and when, I don't know about you, but when I pray with others, I often get passages of Scripture that come to my mind as, as well. If you are praying together and passages of Scripture come to mind, pray that even if it's just like a, a phrase or two, pray that. Pray the Spirit. Of, that is the Spirit of God showing up in your meeting. And they prayed to Jesus of all of Scripture. And they, in verse 27, right after they quote the psalm, they relate the Lord and the anointed to Jesus Himself, the Holy Servant, your Holy Servant, Jesus. So they were connecting Jesus to this passage. And so it's interesting because this psalm was sung at a coronation. Psalm 2 was usually sung at a coronation. And you think about Jesus. He's a king, right, kids? Have you ever seen it? I mean, Jesus, he's, one, he's king. He's, he's Lord of Lords, King of Kings, right? When was Jesus crowned? A coronation is when you get your crown. You ever seen those Disney shows and there's a crown that gets placed on a queen or a king's head? Um, well, this is what's happening. So Jesus is getting his crown. And think, everyone, you should know this. When did Jesus get his crown? It was the crown of thorns. And it wasn't just a mockery of him. It was his literal crown. The cross, friends, was his literal coronation to establish, to begin, to inaugurate his kingdom on earth. I don't know if you thought about that, but that is the truth. They, they, one of the good news of the Gospel is that on the cross, Jesus starts this kingdom. And they're praying to this King. And then they, they know that He is a King that never goes out of office and His kingdom has no end. And they also know that Jesus has established His kingdom by suffering and He continues to advance His kingdom when we pray and when the church prays and suffers. So they're praying, they're suffering, they're being, being persecuted here. And, but they're using this 
psalm to encourage James, I mean, um, Peter and John. Notice what they don't pray for. They don't pray in this, in this prayer that they would be spared from suffering. They don't even pray for peace. Not that those things are wrong. That's just not what they pray for. But what they do pray for, we see in verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to, to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They pray for more boldness. They don't pray for an escape or for protection. They pray for boldness. And the Spirit of God gives it to them. Another author puts it this way. Prayer plants dynamite. And evangelism detonates the dynamite. Think about the will. Remember? Prayer, Holy Spirit comes, evangelism, and you have communities, leaders, churches multiply. Starts with prayer. If you don't have the dynamite planted, then there's nothing to detonate. So we prayed earlier that God would bless the evangelistic efforts of, of your friends in London from Surge. And hopefully we'll hear report that God will detonate that. This is what they prayed for. Now, now let's finally look one more point. So we talked about together with whom they're praying, what did they pray now, for how long did they pray? They, they prayed until the Holy Spirit came. They prayed until the Holy Spirit came as they prayed. Now, in this, we would love most of our prayers to, to, to be this instantaneous. It was an immediate response. Verse 31, when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word with God of all boldness. So it happens immediately. But often, that's not the case. In fact, if you go to early, uh, at the first chapter, they, they wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He said, I'll come to you in, in ten days they prayed. They went to the upper room and they prayed for ten days straight. They prayed a long time. Now, as they waited for them, they were waiting for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And, and back then, they were, God was doing some pretty significant things. Some, some re, what they would call a redemptive historical event that is not repeatable. So, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit was definitely one of those moments and signs and wonders was happening and tongues and people were speaking different languages. Now, we may not experience that now. That was something that was unique. But I do think there's still a pattern. There's still a pattern that you see repeated. And the reason why I say that is because in our text, we don't see tongues and, and new languages. But we do see them waiting. We do see them praying. We do see them in agreement United in prayer. And so, I would say we pray until we are in agreement. As you pray together, pray until you are in agreement. So if, you just have, if you're in a group prayer, I'll get to practicalities in a minute. But if you're in group prayer and one person is just praying, it's really hard to get into agreement unless people are really vocal out there. But if pe multiple people are praying, then you can start to hear and listen to what's out in all people's hearts, and it's easier to know when the Spirit comes. Now, why do you think Jesus left earth and returned to heaven? You ever thought about that? 
Wouldn't he have done a much better job than we're doing as a church? Like, well, if we gave the church a grade in America, like how good we're doing with outreach and evangelism, making disciples and serving the community, loving our neighbors. Like, how, how good is that? Like, ask our kids. Um, this is not my notes, but they just came up with a study that a million youth are leaving the church a year. 600,000 of them, 60%, are leaving because their parents. Because of their parents who are in cultural wars, they're not listening to other people, and they just, they're getting critical distance. A million people. So it would, be, it would seem easy if Jesus would have just said, why don't you stick around and you do a much better job? You're the sinless, perfect one. Well, Jesus said, that he had to leave because we will do greater works than these. That's what he says in John 14. Greater works. Like, what do you mean, Jesus? That sounds crazy. Greater not in the sense of like more miraculous or better and more incredible, but, but, but the extent of it. It's wider. Because Jesus physically is in only one location as, as, the, as a man, as a human being. And he can only be at one place at one time as a man. Now, it's his spirit. He can be everywhere, but as a man... And that man is now seated in the heavenlies on his throne. And when he had to go back there, so when he sat down, then the Spirit was sent. Went to every single believer. And now the extent is greater. And, if you, and then he said, right in John 14, he says, greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And then the, literally the next verse, he says this, if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. He connects it with prayer. He connects the greater works with prayer. Jesus is now our advocate in heaven to bring His kingdom on, on earth as we pray. So, uh, a, a great if you, want, if you want to do a deeper dive on this, I really encourage you, if you haven't read Paul Miller's new book, A Praying Church. And just to whet your appetite, let me give you a quote. The Spirit made Jesus' body come alive. Think about that. Just the... His body started to breathe again. And he continues to make Jesus' body on earth, in the church, us, come alive. Prayer is the way we breathe as a body. It is the way we breathe. And if we don't come together and pray together, what happens to that body? It doesn't breathe. And what happens to a non-breathing body? It dies, or it's not for, or it's struggling, or maybe they're getting head rushed. I don't know. But prayer is not just the ministry of the church. It is who the church is. It is we are a praying people. So we go nowhere, brothers and sisters, until we wait for the Holy Spirit come as we pray together. Now, I have just a few practical suggestions, and then I want to end with the story, and then we'll go to the table. So, I'm, I'm at a sister church over in Annapolis. Uh, I'm a member of the Chesapeake Presbytery, but I'm working out of bounds. You may have heard that language before. It's kind of an interesting way the, a book of church order puts it. But I'm not off sides. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, but I, I'm in a non-denominational church, and so we have a lot of opportunities at this church to, um, to coach folks in our groups in prayer. And one of the things I tell them is that every time we meet as a church, let's pray. And you may be going, we already do that. 
And, but most churches really do this. Like you have a meeting, and then like you open it with prayer, and you get to the real stuff, and then you close it out with prayer. And you might even, like, if you have time, ask for, for prayer requests. In your small group like that? Like, that's not wrong. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that that's a wrong thing, but if you really want to grow in prayer, I would encourage you to consider flipping the, the prayer at the end to the prayer at the beginning. Like, pray at the beginning. And one of and this is the way I, uh, I've coached my folks, is that start off by just reading some scripture and just ask three or four people to pray right after you read the scripture. Read some scripture, pray, have, don't give them more instructions, but just, give them, just let them pray and just listen to what they pray for. Maybe you, go some, maybe you change things, maybe you don't. But you're giving an opportunity for the body to breathe and for the Spirit of God to actually lead that meeting instead of your agenda, what you got on your paper, or whatever you thought, you know, lead that meeting. You may still do that, and that's totally fine. But I would encourage you to, to, to flip prayer to the beginning of the meeting and just wait. It may be five minutes. You may, you may pray for 20 minutes. Who knows? You may get Pentecostal and pray an hour. Who knows? But encourage you to flip prayer to the beginning. And so let me give, give, I'll give you two examples here. We were doing this recently, and a lady was praying. We, were, we just read Genesis 12, 1 through 2, about the, uh, the blessing of Abraham. And one of the ladies in our group, her name was Elisa, she was praying for her neighbor. She had an unbelieving neighbor, a little kid. And a little girl was very interested in going to church, but her mom and dad wasn't. And so she got permission from her parents to see if she wanted to come to our, our church. And so she invited her, and she came, and her parents came. And then... Uh, Nothing happened, and so we started praying uh, again for her, and the little girl actually came up to Elisa and said, I'm so offended because you have not asked me back to your church. I love going to your church. And so she's like, so she, this little girl got her mom and her dad, and they all started coming to church just because, and we, look, we prayed this. This was God's will. And this little girl's now in our church because this lady was praying a, the, how, a way to bless uh, her next-door neighbors. Now, that doesn't happen every time, but that, it did happen that time. Um, early on, when I, I grew up, you probably, if you haven't detected, I'm from the South. You got, I got a little bit of Southern accent. And my first pastorate was in South Mississippi before Katrina. 2005, little church. We had about 20 people there. Four of them were elders. The youngest elder was 76. Um, I was the new guy on the block, and I uh, was meeting all the local pastors in the community, and I found out pretty quickly that no one really liked anybody. And I also found out that none of the pastors were praying together. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just invite them to my church. So I went out and personally invited 30 different pastors uh, from that community, from all different backgrounds. Um, only eight showed up in our little big church. And I led was what was probably, at least in my opinion, the most boring, dry prayer meeting in my existence. 45 minutes, eight pastors showed up, they left. I'm like, and I thought to myself, that was terrible. No one's going to come ever do that again. And, and this is a true story. The next day, the, church from the, large, the pastor from the largest church called me up and he said, Alan, that was amazing. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, the, the prayer meeting is like, we at the same prayer meeting? It's like, Alan, you don't realize what happened. 
I'm like, I obviously don't. It was a pretty still meeting. He said, Alan, that was the first time in the history of this county that white and black pastors have prayed together. I was like, really? Hmm, that's interesting. And he said, we should do it again. And here's how we should do it. We should rotate churches. Everyone starts praying and, and, and pray every month. He had this whole plan in his head. I was like, let's do it. And so eight of us showed up at another church the next month, and it grew to 20. And the next month, it grew to 40. And then six months into this, we're rotating all around town, and it, we're, we're in the hundreds six months into this, praying every month. At the, at the larger prayer gathering, there were about several hundred people there, I, they broke us down, because we're so large now, they broke us into smaller groups, and I get in the group with a guy named, he's an African-American guy named Otis Walters. Otis Walters, we, I started asking him, how can I pray for you? And he starts pouring out his heart about how he has, has been praying for this, the poorest neighborhood in our town. They called it the bottom. It was like where all the drug dealers were, and he really wanted to go in there. He had found this place. He had no idea what to do. He just had a heart for these kids in that community. And so we started praying. And, and we started praying for Otis. And then after that, I, I met up with Otis, met his, his wife. Dorothy found out that this couple, they're probably in their 50s at the time. He was a bus driver. They couldn't have kids. And so they, but they had a heart to spiritually adopt these kids in this neighborhood. So I walk the neighborhoods with them. We start praying. And then I leave. I go to, I go to Peru, South America. And I don't hear from Otis for several years. True story. Ten years later, I get notification that Otis Walters was named Man of the Year in that county for all the work he had done. He had poured out his life, loving on these kids, sharing the gospel, tutoring them, mentoring them, and helping these kids have a better future. <laughs> it all started with eight pastors in the most boring prayer meeting ever. Brothers and sisters, if you feel stuck as a church, as a family, as a ministry, just know we go nowhere until we pray together and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Let's pray and then we'll go to the table.